0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to the book of Romans go to the New Testament please the book of Romans um, Matthew Mark Luke John acts and Romans as we are nearing the end of our summer sermon series titled summer love learning to love like Jesus and over the past uh, over the past several several weeks we've been looking at different aspects of, of God's love and what it means to love like Jesus we've looked at uh, uh, loving with our words we've looked at loving our back to Jesus, we've looked at loving our enemies, and then next Sunday, I've asked our student pastor, uh, Ethan Floyd, to conclude our series uh, by speaking on the subject of loving the lost. If there's somebody who can speak on loving the lost with some passion, it's our student pastor, Ethan Floyd. Can I get an amen on that one? Uh, yeah, he loves, he, 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 can, he can preach to a tree, and the tree will pray to receive Jesus Christ. I don't understand it, but he can do it, Um, and so I've asked him uh, to end our series by speaking on loving the lost, but uh, today uh, what I want us to do is I want us to look at the subject of what what does love really look like? What does it really, really look like? I think we understand it. We get the concept, but in our everyday life, what does it really look like? Um, is, is there a recipe for love or the things that we can do um, that, that says we have love and that we are loving? Well, in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 16, that's our text this morning, at first glance, it seems like it's a rather unconnected text. It looks like a bunch of, of disjointed commands as I was uh, studying this text all week, and there were short pithy statements I kind of thought um, it's, it's kind of like reading a fortune cookie after you have Chinese food with those short, uh, pithy statements. Romans chapter 12, 9 through 16 are these short statements. They seem like they may not connect, but, but hopefully by the end of this message, three hours later, we are going to understand that this that love is the theme that love connects all of these commands that Paul shares with us in this chapter and in these verses. Uh, John Stott, um, one of the great theologians of our time who passed away just recently, Uh, John Stott said this about Romans chapter 12, 9 through 16. He says this, this is Paul's recipe for love. And it has 12 ingredients. Another, another uh, commentary said this, that verses 9 through 16 is arthritic cream for arthritis. Anybody in here have arthritis? I can't raise my shoulder because I have arthritis in my shoulder. That's what it is. Well, it says arthritic cream for arthritis. What is arthritis? It's when your joints don't work together or they have a hard time moving. So arthritic cream puts, puts this uh, lubrication on the joints so that they may work together. And, and what Paul is saying in verses 9 through 16 is that there is something that is arthritic cream for the one who has arthritis, and that thing is love, If you were to take just a few seconds to look back in Romans, in Romans chapter 12, we see uh, what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying to us that we as believers, we need to uh, be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we need to give our lives uh, to Christ wholly and completely. Then in verses 3 through 8 of Romans chapter 12, Paul says that everybody in the church has a gift and that Paul says that God has given you a gift according to His plan for your life. And then Paul says everybody within the church has different gifts. And Paul says that, that these gifts are important and that these gifts are needed and that, that the church needs all of these different gifts. But what, but what Paul comes to is, is this, that these gifts make up one body and sometimes the body doesn't work well together. Can I get an amen on that one? Sometimes the body doesn't work well with one another, and so what Paul says after talking about gifts, after talking about God has a plan for your life within the church, within the local body, Paul says this, but there's a key ingredient that makes all of this work together, and it's love. And what Paul says, really, really what the New Testament says is, if you have not loved, then you really don't love the Father, And so in our text, Paul is talking about the local church. He's talking about the local body. We all have different gifts. God has given us those different gifts to be used in the body, but it's love for one another, love for the gospel, love for God that pulls us all together. Well, look at verse number 9, and let me read the entire text to you, 9 through 16, and then we're going to make our way through our text this morning. If you're excited to be here this morning, say amen. Verse number 9, follow along in your copy of God's Word. There's words on the screen behind me as well. Verse 9 says this, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Let's, let's pray. Father, uh, we come before you this morning. And at this time, Father, we humbly bow our knees and our spirits to you. And we submit to your word, which we believe is the truth. We believe it is the unchanging truth. And Father, I, we believe it's the plumb line that we need to measure up to. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that we will look at your word. Holy Spirit, examine us. And when we leave this place, Father, I pray that we would be filled with love, so much love that the world around us will say, what is in you? And we can say, it is the love of Jesus, can I tell you about him? In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Well, here is Paul's recipe for love. I hope you, I hope you brought your pen uh, I want you to write some things down. So here you go. Number one, here's what Paul says. This is what love really looks like. Number one, write this down. Love must be genuine. Love must be genuine. Look at verse number nine. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Many of you may know what hypocrisy means. It's, it's the idea of being an actor. In ancient days, uh, an actor would wear a mask And the mask would show what kind of uh, 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 attitude it was to portray, whether it be a smiley face, uh, uh, a frowning face, a crying face. And the actor would speak out from under the mask. That's what hypocrisy literally means. It means speaking out from under, meaning what is on the outside may not necessarily be what's on the inside. And here's what I know about us as Christians. I know this. This happens. It happens at church all the time, right? Right. You ever gone up to somebody, you see them walking down the hallway, and you say to them, hey, brother, how you doing? It's so good to see you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And you say all these great things, and you look at your spouse, and you say, I can't stand that guy. You ever done that? You look at them and go, oh, my gosh. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? And you say, oh, you act so good. But internally, you say to your spouse, you know, I really don't like that guy. This is what Paul says. Love, Paul says, That's not love. Paul says love is without hypocrisy. The the New International Version calls, calls this word hypocrisy. He says, love must be sincere. Um, this, this English word sincere comes from the Latin word sincerus, which means without wax. Because in the ancient days, you would have traders who would make these, these, uh, these earthen vessels, these jars, and if there was a crack in the jar, they would take wax, put the wax over the crack, and paint, paint the wax the same color as the jar. So to somebody who wasn't paying attention, it would look perfectly fine. But smart buyers would take this earthen jar, pick it up, and hold it up in the sun because the sun would then begin to melt the wax. And when it melted the wax, it began to show the cracks. And so smart traders began to understand this, and if the vessel was without cracks, they would write the word sincerus on it, which means without wax. And so what Paul is saying here, he says, let your love be without cracks. Be genuine, be be sincere. Eugene Peterson in the message, he said this love from the center of who you are, don't be a fake. Isn't that good? Look at your neighbor and say, I told you not to be a fake. I mean, this is so good. I mean, this is, and Paul says, listen, as the body of Christ, as, as you have all these different gifts, let me tell you what gets the glue that brings it all together. It's love. And number one, love amongst us, love is genuine. It is not fake. It means I have a sincere love, a sincere concern for you. Love is genuine. Number two, write this down. Love is holy. Love rejoices in holiness. Holiness. Number one, it is sincere, but number two, it is holy. It rejoices in holiness. Look at the second part of verse number nine when it says, Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Now, for the rest of this message, I'm going to do a lot of Greek. We're going to do some Greeking out this morning. Aren't you excited? Okay, I'll take that as a yes. We're going to do a lot of Greek here because I, I, there's a lot of things that we see in this Greek. In the Greek text, abhor and cling, they are participles that describe what hypocrisy may or may not look like. So Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy. Well, what does that look like? You abhor evil and you cling to what is good. Because what, what is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is this, you not turning away from evil, but also saying that, 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 that good things are good. It's, it's living two different lives. That's what hypocrisy is. I always love the comment about uh, the church. You hear this a lot from non-believers, and, and a lot of times you hear this from believers who get frustrated with the church. They say this, I don't go to church because there's so many what? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Yeah. And I always want to tell them, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, we're all in that category, right? I mean that because we're human, that 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 that's not an excuse to, to escape from the church. But Paul says, church, you work together, you, you, you come together, you had different gifts, but what binds us together is, is love. It's not love is not full of hypocrisy, it's it's genuine, and it loves holiness. It it abhors what is evil, it and it, and it clings to what is good. That, that word abhor, it, it, it really means, and I, this is a great visual, the Greek word abhor literally means to turn away uh, as if you're ashamed or you're embarrassed by what you are seeing. It's, it's this idea of, of blushing. Growing up as a kid, as a redhead, I blushed at everything. Everything. And one of my favorite things in all the world was when I would turn red, and by the way, I would know that my face is turning red, because it would start like right here, and I would just get hot. And I just loved it when somebody coming to me, "Hey, do you know your face is turning red?" No, you're the first one to ever tell me that. Thank you so much. But blushing meaning you turn red. This word abhor means this. When you and I, as believers in Christ, we see something that is evil, we blush, meaning we turn our face. you get the picture? Question, when's the last time you blushed? When's the last time you shrunk back because you're ashamed of what you see or you're, you're angered, a holy anger at, at, what you, at what you see or what you're observing or what you see on, 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 on media, social media, whatever, what you see. Paul says this as a church, as a body of Christ. One of the things that a requirement of holiness is turning your back on that which is evil. But Paul doesn't just stop there. He doesn't say just turn away from evil. He says you got to do something else. It means you need to turn to that which is good. You cling to what is good. The Greek word is, is our English word glue. He says you turn away from that which is evil. You don't look at it. You don't participate in that which is evil. And you turn and you look at what is good and you stick to it. You cling to it. Later on, Paul would say whatever is right, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is good, whatever is holy, whatever is praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And Paul says, listen, if you're a church and if you have all these giftings and you have a certain gift and you have a certain gift and there's things that you do better than I and, and I do better than this and you do better than this. And, but what brings you together is this, is this strong desire that you want holiness and this love must be holy. And that's one reason why we as a church, when we see evil in the life of another believer, folks, we have to go talk to them And we come to them, we speak the truth in love and say, listen, we need to turn away. Turn away from evil. We need to cling to what that is good. Love is genuine. Love is holy. Write this down. Number three, love begins within the family. Love begins with the family. Romans 12.10 says this, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now, I spent a lot of time on verse number 10 because there's a lot of things in the Greek that we don't see in the English here. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Here is, here's the Greek version of it right here. I think it's on the screen, the Greek version of it. Maybe not. Is it not? Okay, all right. I'll say the Greek version to you. How about that? I don't know if you can catch it not, but here you go. Here's the Greek version of be devoted to one another and, and, and brotherly love. Te philadelphia, ace allelous phila astorgoi. Te philadelphia, ace allelous philo storgoi. Now, what does that mean? Well, in Greek, here's what's interesting about Greek. that We don't see this in, in the English. In Greek, there is not a specific word order. In English, we have word order. Basics what? Subject, and then what? All the English teachers says verb. Thank you so much. That's the basic structure of our English language. Subject, verb. In Greek, that's not the case. In Greek, that's not a fixed word order. In Greek, whatever is at the first of the sentence, or at the beginning of the clause, that is what gets emphasis. All right? So, The first word in this sentence is the word philadelphia. It's talking about the city of brotherly love. Phila or philos is love. Adelphos is brotherly. So the first thing that Paul says, he's speaking to believers, he's speaking to the church, and he says, in brotherly love, and it literally means that you and I are born from the same womb. That we're born from the same womb. Now, is Paul talking about we're born from the same mother? Of course not. What he's saying is we're born from the Holy Spirit. As believers in Christ, we are born from the same Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Brotherly love. And so he tells us in brotherly love to one another. That's that ace a la loose, to one another. And that last word is philo storgoi. Now, here's what's interesting. You don't see this in the English, but in the Greek, Paul uses two different words for love, Philadelphia, brotherly love, phila, storgoi, which means a family love. And what's interesting is that word storge, which is phila, storgoi, storge, we get our English word, the stork, from that word. Now let me show you a picture. You see that? What is that? That's a stork bringing a baby, right? Listen. All throughout history in every in every culture there is a myth that storks bring babies. Do you know why? The Greek word storge Storge means family-nurturing love. And the one creature in all the animal kingdom that that epitomizes family-nurturing love, guess what it is? It's the stork. Picture. Paul says, In brotherly love, from the same womb, you are to be devoted to one another. You are to be a family. You are to provide family care for one another. You must, you must be there for one another. Love is genuine. Love is sincere. Love is holy. But love begins with the family. I, I, I don't know about you, but, but growing up, um, my dad was, was eight of eight children, and so holidays were, were, were big, big family gatherings, and we all gathered there, and meeting together with family was great. We may only see each other once a year, but once you got there, you felt like you were a part of what? Family, right? And your family would hang out, and you always had that crazy brother or uncle, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah? But you still loved them, because we all have crazy people in our families. I mean, just look at your neighbor right now. But, but are you getting the picture? What, what does love look like? What, what, what does love look like? Love Love is genuine, love is sincere, love is holy, love is, love is family. And write this down, number four, here's what we know as well. That love puts others first. Love puts others first. It's genuine, it's holy, it's family, it puts others first. Verse number 10, the second part of verse number 10. It says, give preference to one another. Give preference to one another. What Paul is saying here is this. That you and I, as believers in Christ, we are to outdo one another in showing honor to somebody else. Meaning this, that as a believer in Christ, we are not to sit around in our high seat or in arrogance waiting for somebody to acknowledge me. We are not to sit around and wait around and hope that somebody would come and say, oh, how great you are or how, or how wonderful you are. We don't sit around waiting for that. We don't sit around waiting for preferential treatment. As a believer in Jesus Christ, that's not the way it works. As a matter of fact, this word preference in Greek, it literally means an athletic competition. So it means as believers in Christ Jesus, here's what we do, that we try to outdo one another in showing honor to other people. Meaning that we have to get out of our seat, and we have to go talk to people and honor them. That means in small groups, when somebody comes in that we don't know them, that means every single one of us should go talk to them first. Are you with me? Am I making sense this morning? Okay, because some of you are wearing masks this morning, and you got a real frowny face on you right now. Like, What's going on? And that's why we as a church, when, when visitors or guests come in, and guests, if you're a guest today, I pray that this is true I pray that this is true of our body of believers is that when somebody comes in and you don't know who they are instead of looking at your spouse or your friend or your neighbor and say oh, I don't know who that is I wonder what they're doing here instead of that you would get up out of your seat you go hey man who are you how are you I'm nice to, It's nice to meet you are you with me so that's what love is pastor I don't know what love looks like love means this you get out of your seat and you go show honor to other people Well, Pastor, I'm shy. That's okay. I am too. Most of the time. (laughs) Pastor, I I really don't know what to say. Just tell them who you are and tell them how glad you are that they're here at First Baptist Church. Because here at First Baptist Church, God's doing some amazing things. God is alive and moving in the life of our church. So what does love look like? Love is genuine. We're not fake people. We're not fake. Love is is holy. We we put away that which is evil, and we clean that what is good. Love is is family. It it puts family first, and and it begins within our family. And then four, we put others first. We are looking outward. And then here's number five. Write this down. Love must be enthusiastically focused. I like that. Verse, uh, Verse number 11 says this. That we are not to be lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Um, I, I like this because really what Paul is saying is this. Is that we need to be fanatics. That's what he's saying. We need to be fanatics. Meaning that we need to be filled with enthusiasm. That we need to be filled with joy. That we need to be filled with, with the life that comes from being in the presence of, of the holy God. We, we need to be... We need to be like the fan who goes to to, to football games and yells himself, horse. We we need to be so enthusiastically focused uh, about who we are in Christ and about serving the Lord. And Paul says, listen, do not lag behind in diligence. That that phrase literally means, don't be lazy. That could work in our culture today, amen? Don't be lazy. Get up and work. That's what it's talking about. Don't lay around waiting for things. You do not lag behind the diligence. You get up and you go serve. Be fervent in spirit. That Greek word for fervent little means be be a boiling pot, boiling over, which means you understand as a believer in Christ that, that we don't have much time to waste because Jesus Christ is returning soon. I don't know if you're watching what's going on in the world. I don't know if you're paying attention to, to things that are going on, and this is not to scare you, but, but listen, our world is quickly approaching one currency. Our world is quickly approaching one government. I mean, you, you see it in the Middle East. You see, it, you see it in Europe. You see things are approaching. God is orchestrating the events for his soon coming return of his son. Folks, we don't have time. Why do we not have time? Because, listen, as soon as Jesus comes back, our loved ones who are not believers in him, it's over. It's over. And so Paul says, listen, I've given you gifts. I've given you strengths. Now work together in love and be fervent in spirit. Be boiling over. Be filled with joy. Be enthusiastically focused about telling others about the greatness of Jesus Christ. Because we don't have time. We don't have time to argue with one another, do we? Okay, maybe we do. All right. I don't. I don't have time. I, I, I don't have time. And nor do you. We have zero time to waste on secondary issues. Because Jesus is returning soon. And I, I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't, I don't know about your relationship with the Christ. But, but I know this, that if, that if you have not confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have not given your life to him, if you have not crossed over that line of faith, know this, Jesus is coming soon, and you have to give an account of your life. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ died for you, so that when you do have to give an account, all you have to say is, Jesus paid my penalty. But if Jesus comes before you make that declaration, it's done. Do you see how secondary issues cause so much problems? Are are you with me? Secondary issues. We make secondary issues the main problem, and it's not because Paul says as church, church, use your gifts. You must be genuine in your love to one another. Be genuine in your love. Be holy. Be, Be family. Treat each other like family. Put others first, but be enthusiastically focused about your job on this planet. Number six, write this down. Love must be patient and it must be prayerful. Love must be patient and must be prayerful. Look at verse number 12, which says, as Paul says, rejoice in hope, persevere in tribulation, be devoted to prayer. What Paul says again, be patient in all the things that are going on in this world. Be patient. Pastor, do you understand that the church is going is headed into a time of of persecution? Yes. But be patient. The victory has already been won, church. The victory has already been won. We stand in victory. You and I as believers in Christ, we do not stand in defeat. We do not stand in fear. We do not stand in worry. We do not stand in the what-ifs. We stand in victory. And because we stand in victory, and because we follow the King of Kings, who when he returns, he will return riding on a white horse with a sash that says, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And we will follow behind him. And we will reign victorious with him. Not only do we, will we reign victorious with him in heaven in the future, folks, we reign victorious with him now. We're victorious now. One of the great struggles of Christianity is this. It's the process of sanctification. And I always say sanctification is this. It's becoming, it's becoming who we already are. In heaven, we're perfect. In heaven, we have the blood of Jesus. In heaven, we are victorious. Down here on earth, we have to become what we already are. It's the sanctification process. and That requires patience, and that requires prayer. You may be going through a tough time right now. Jesus says, through the words of Paul, be patient, and you devote yourself to prayer. Are you all with me this morning? Love is genuine, love is holy, love is family, love is others first, love is enthusiastically focused, love is patient, love is prayerful, and number seven, love must be generous. Love must be generous. Look at Romans 12, 13. The first part of it says this. We must contribute to the needs of the saints. One of the hallmarks of the early church and of early Christianity was this is that they were givers. They were givers. And actually, that Greek word uh, contribute, it's the verb form of koinonia. Koinonia means fellowship, that we're together. And Paul says that as believers in Christ, as the body of Christ, as the church, we are to contribute to the needs of the whom? I'm gonna, make a, I'm gonna make a statement, it may make some people mad. It's okay. Some people believe that we need to make our focus on contributing to the needs of the unbelievers. What does the Bible say to the saints? Why? Because the New Testament later says this about a leader in the church if he cannot take care of his own family, he's not qualified to lead the body of Christ. Are you with me? We are a family. So when we see a family in need, when we see somebody who is hurting, the saints come together based on love and we take care of our own. Doesn't mean we reject the unbelievers. Doesn't mean that we don't help the unbelievers. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. But we take care of one another. Why? So that the non-believers, those who are outside of the church, will look at the church and say, man, they sure love one another. I wonder what that's all about. Are you with me? Three of you. Good. You can send me an email if you disagree. That's fine. Just be kind. Love is genuine. Love is holy. Love Love is a family. Love is putting others first. Love is, uh, love is enthusiastically focused. It is patient. It is prayerful. It is generous. And number eight, love must show hospitality. Love must show hospitality. Romans 12, 13 says "Is practice hospitality. That literally means that we are to show love for one another. Love, it literally means love for strangers is what it means. That we must practice hospitality. Two hallmarks of the early church, giving and showing hospitality, which Literally means inviting people to your house, having them sit down at your table, and eating food together. That's what it literally means. So my Thursday schedule at 7 o'clock is open, just letting you know. <laughs> but hospitality is inviting people in. I think you all agree that we are a culture that is moving away from, in, from any human interaction physical interaction. Would you agree with that? We're going all digital, and, and we're losing that connection. I think a key phrase that's being used in our culture today and churches use it and it's used correctly, it's community. This is practicing hospitality. It's spending time with people face-to-face. It's drinking coffee together. It's having lunch together. It's just enjoying and getting to know one another so that we can encourage one another. That's love. That's love. Love is genuine. It's holy. It is, it is, it is family-focused. You put others first. It is enthusiastically focused. It's patient. It's prayerful. It's generous. It's hospitable. Number nine, and it is kind. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. That's a tough one, isn't it? Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. How many of you in this room have ever been mistreated before? How many of you have ever been lied to? How many of you have ever been gossiped to? How many of you, you just feel it's happened to all of us. And what is the word that Paul says to us? Bless. Bless them. Now, I know some of you say, bless them in the name of Jesus. I know what you really mean by saying that. Paul says, bless them, don't persecute them, or excuse me, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. One of the things that I often think about when I have been, when somebody speaks behind my back, says something that I've never said before or whatever, one of the things that I always go back to is this, because I think this is true in the church. I think this is true as individuals. A lot of times we think Selfishly, that that I'm the only person that God wants to bless or that you think, well, I'm the only person that God wants to bless. And we fail to consider that the one who is so evil to you, who persecuted you, who lied to you, we fail to remember that God actually wants to bless them the same amount as he wants to bless you. When I stop to think, you know, God, this person may not be walking in the Spirit, But Lord, help me to remember that you want to bless them just as much as you want to bless me. That's painful because people can do some dumb things. Look at your neighbor and say, isn't that right? Listen, God wants to bless other people just as much as he wants to bless you. So we be kind. Love is Love is genuine, love is sincere, it's holy, it's, it's family, you put others first, it's enthusiastically focused, it's patient and prayerful, it's generous, it's hospitable, it's kind. And here's the next one, number 10, love shows sympathy. Love shows sympathy. Look at verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. This goes to spending time with people. Get involved in people's lives. Church, we need to be involved with other people. Cry when bad things happen. Dance when good things happen. Just not on a Sunday morning. Just don't dance on Sunday morning. It's a joke. It's a joke. After 12 o'clock is fine, but not before 12 o'clock. What it means is, folks, we have emotions being stoic, being stoic is not necessarily a good thing at all times. Rather, you cry when people cry. One of the greatest things, I, you know, as, as a pastor, I deal a lot with, with death. And I've had a lot of people ask me, they'll say this, Pastor, what do, you, what do you say to those family members who are going through death? And I'll be honest with you, I have no idea what to say. But I know this. One tear that comes down my cheek is enough. I always think of Job's friends. Do you remember the story of Job? He loses everything except a crazy wife. Don't understand that one. (laughs) Loses everything, and his friends hear about it. His friends hear about it. And they come to Job, and they see him with boils all over his body. He's lost all his family, lost all of his livestock. His wife complains. I mean, he's just a shell of a man. And Job's friends show up. And for one week, they were godly. Because you know the rest of the story of Job is these men giving this crazy advice to Job, which was not godly. But for one week, these men were godly. Do you know what they did? Scripture says this. They came and they sat next to Job and didn't say a word. You know, sometimes when somebody's hurting, all you have to do is this. And you don't post it on Facebook that you went and sat next to somebody. Selfie. No. You just sit. How long do you sit? I I don't know. I, I don't know. But you just sit. That's love. That's love. And Paul says to the church, he says, church, you have so many gifts. Use them. Use your gifts. But the glue that brings all the gifts together is love. Love that is genuine. Love that is holy. Love that is, love, love that is family-oriented. Love that, is, uh, that, is, uh, that puts others first. Love that is externally, or excuse me, enthusiastically focused. Love is patient. Love is Love is prayerful, love is generous, it's hospitable, it is kind, it shows sympathy. And then here's number 11, love lives in harmony. Love lives in harmony. Romans 12, 16 says this, be of the same mind towards one another. What that means is you think the same things towards one another. It doesn't mean that you all agree in everything, but it simply means this. It simply means that you Come together and you make beautiful music. One of the great things about music is harmony. If you're not a musician, you may not fully understand, but harmony means this: is that each of you are singing different parts, different notes, but you're singing the same song. Are you with me, church? You're singing the same song, different parts, different instruments, but in harmony, and it is literally music to the ears. One of the most important characteristics, characteristic traits and qualities of the church, and I want you to hear me out, is unity and harmony. Do you know why? Because the world is so divided. The world does not know what unity and harmony looks like. And if the church is not in unity, and if the church is not in harmony, then we look a lot like the world. And Paul says, you sing your note. Because as a church, you sing the same song. Jesus is alive. He was buried. He was crucified. He was crucified. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again. We sing the same song. We're not against each other. We're for one another. We're together. We work together for the same goal, to make Jesus known. Well, pastor, I don't like the note that he's singing. Sing your own note anyways. Love is genuine. Love is holy. Love is family. Love puts others first. Love is enthusiastically focused. Love is patient and prayerful. It's generous. It's hospitable. It is is kind. It shows sympathy. It lives in harmony. And then the last one, and then we're done, is that love shows humility. Verse 16 says this. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. I love the way Eugene Peterson in the passage says this. He says, don't be a snob. (laughs) Isn't that good? Don't be a snob. Church, my prayer for us, because I believe this with all of my heart, that our love for one another would be so strong that secondary issues fall away because of the love of Christ and for the love for one another. Because I believe with all of my heart, if the churches loved each other better, the world would be a much better place. Church, I love you. I'm so proud of you. But I know this, the Bible calls us to love even more. This is what I know love is, because the Bible tells us this, that what is love? Love is this, that God willingly gave up his son for us and that we need to do the same for one another. E. Stanley Jones, who is a missionary to India, was preaching on this topic and a person who was listening to a preach, who was a pastor, came up to E. Stanley Jones and said, they said, Pastor, I, I understand what you're saying about love, but I've got this one church member, and it's just not getting across. I don't think this love thing is really, really working. And he said to E. Stanley Jones, what do you think I should do? And E. Stanley Jones said this, I love this. He said this, increase the dosage. Church, let's increase the dosage. Father, I thank you for who you are. Father, you're so good. You're so kind. And you're so loving. And I say thank you. Father, I pray in the name of the Resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, that you would continue to fill us with love and that we would overflow with love for one another, overflow with love for you, So, Father, when we leave, people will say, what is, what's going on? What is there? And all we have to respond to is, it's the love. It's it's the love of Jesus and not the love of the world. It's the love of Jesus. And, Father, if we have fallen short in any of the areas that I have been mentioned this morning, God, forgive us, restore us, and renew within us a love for you, Father. And, Father, we commit to you this morning that we're going to increase the dosage.